4: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money Starts Now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. At any given moment, the prism can be overwhelming and overpowerful. But remember, after what I tell you tonight, that the prism can also be wrong. Once again, we're back in a world where it feels like stocks are done going up and the apocalypse is now because we can't satisfy the earnings piece with the Dow losing 86 points today, S&P sinking 0.47%, but the NASDAQ plunging 1.21%. And that's when we're spending spend some time why did this happen? I think when the CDC issues new guidance, urging even people who've been vaccinated to go back to wearing masks in certain circumstances, that makes everybody freak out about the Delta variant. And when you're worried about the pandemic, what do you do? Well, it's pretty simple. Sell, 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 sell. The CDC is consistent this whole pandemic. Consistently wrong. And now they're scaring the heck out of us, making us doubt the effectiveness of the vaccines rather than pushing us to get our shots. So it's a wonder stocks traded down on great results today. If the authorities authorities imply that we're all going to get COVID anyway, I mean, who can blame the weak hands from... Sell, 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 sell. I bet the same thing happens again tomorrow. So you pick up whatever's wrong and close our eyes to whatever's right, which is what's happening right now after the bell. Doesn't help that when we get about two weeks into earnings season, meaning right about now, our perception does tend to shift. If the first couple weeks were ugly, we typically get a nice rally at this point. Why? Because we adjust our expectations. After a series of disappointing quarters, we start seeing bad as not so bad and good looks great. Oh, but now we have the opposite situation. In the first couple of weeks of earnings season, stocks ran the table, rallying as though totally oblivious to anything in the real world. Right? We had one bad day a week ago. Admittedly, uh, it was very bad. But all it taught us to was to buy the dip. The market's been pretty much straight up for ages. So after two relentlessly positive weeks of earnings, we've adjusted. Great becomes merely good. Not so bad becomes just bad. And not that good becomes, well, let's just say I'm not let's just say things are being viewed as terribly. How about that? Yeah, the prison's gone negative. Suddenly you get a rally in the recession stocks, worst kind of rally, utilities, drugs, food news. because the CDC is scared, not just the unvaccinated, but you. And that's an unhealthy situation. Now, yeah, look, I think it's good that schools are allowed to reopen. Uh, mass is probably a smart idea, given that most children aren't vaccinated yet. Remote schooling really hasn't had a great track record. More importantly, it's been a millstone around the neck of our economy. Why? Childcare. Yeah, childcare. If you had an elementary school-aged kid, chances are someone in your household had to stay home to supervise them rather than working. It's way so many. It's way so many single moms have dropped out of the workforce since the pandemic hit. Whenever you hear people wondering where all the workers went, schools closures are a huge part of the, of the equation. Public schools are the closest thing we have to free childcare in this country. With remote learning, millions of formerly paid employees had to stay home, act as unpaid children officers. I know the Commodities Research Bureau's indicators flashed red. I know aluminum and copper staying elevated. But if schools can't reopen and stay open without causing huge outbreaks, that would be a huge positive. For the moment, though, the CDC's new guidelines on the need for wearing masks indoors was viewed as, as a tragic negative today and weighed on the averages It created that horrendous prism that everybody looked through every single stock tonight with. Every single one. It doesn't matter if the three pillars of industrial stocks, General Electric, Raytheon, and 3M, all reported better than expected numbers today. This morning, the prism just kept them all down on the farm. You know that only Raytheon managed to buck the trend. I'm wondering if maybe that's because they have an excellent aerospace and defense business that's mostly immune to the gyrations of the economy and also essential to defending off China if something crazy happens in the Strait of Taiwan which anyone can certainly dream about or have that nightmare, given that the Chinese are wrecking the stock market. Of course, the prison does change from day to day. Why don't we define what gives it uh, what, what defines it? Any given, why don't we show what defines it in any given moment? So then you can understand why tomorrow could be ugly and you might want to buy. First, as usual, it's the bond market. Enjoy another rally today with rates going down, suggesting a horrific decline in economic activity. Now that doesn't jive with a single statistic I've seen. Hey, but if the CDC is telling you the great reopening is now the great reclosing, well, that means the Fed doesn't need to tighten tomorrow, but it also means that business is going to fall off a cliff. Now, I have to tell you that the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA have, created, have all created many moments of pain and hysteria that the market's usually been able to shrug off. This time, though, the prism says we won't be able to do that so quickly. So you should buy the recession-proof stocks that don't need to worry about the economy, like the drugs and the utilities, not Raytheon, GE, and 3M, nor anything great that reported tonight. For example, you have to remember that this prism could be temporary. Today, the market had a jaundiced view of just about everything. Yesterday, we were a lot more positive. Tomorrow, nobody knows, but I suspect the market is still in fault-finding mode. Here's what we do know. We got a bunch of very important quarters after the close today, and every single one of them is considered horrendous. Every one. Does that make sense to you? I told you to expect incredible things from Alphabet, the parent of Google, thanks to the boom in online advertising, as all sorts of travel and leisure outfits spend money again. Well, sure enough, Alphabet shot the lights out. They earned $27 per share. Street was looking for 19. Sales 5.6 billion higher than expected. Advertising on fire. Google Cloud on fire. But wait a second. If the CDC's right, no one's going to travel. Sell. Alphabet. Next up, Starbucks delivered a terrific set of numbers with a very encouraging same-store sales forecast the next quarter. However, the stock initially got hit after hours because the bar had been raised. And who's going to go out and buy a cup of coffee if the CDC says all hell's about to break loose? So people nitpick and sell the news. We saw something similar from Microsoft. They beat the numbers with an excellent quarter across the board. Yet the stock rolled over in after-hours action because it had run up substantially over the past couple of months. There, I have to believe that one. Uh, nobody feels like a hero in tech stocks after today's beatdown. So that one, uh, even though my trust owns it, is not my fave. Advanced Micro, it shows you that Intel's problems might be the result of company-specific inept, uh, ineptitude rather than industry-wide issues. But the CDC says sell AMD. Like, the CDC is a big broker, just. Yes. Finally, Apple knocked it out of the park tonight with a record quarter. Remember all those analysts who told you to uh, worry about their channel checks showing weak component orders? As usual, they were dead wrong. Apple posted 29-cent earnings beat off dollar one basis, much higher than expected sales. In fact, there was firing on all cylinders. Every major line item was better, especially phones and wearables. Chinese business up 58%. I was worried about a crackdown. Once again, this is why you own Apple, don't trade it. So why is it down and why will it be down big tomorrow? Because they said that maybe the next quarter won't be as good as this one. Who can blame them a record quarter? But you have to understand, the prism takes that stuff seriously. Sure, many of these stocks did trade down after the close, and they will trade down again tomorrow. Okay. But that's all about the negative prison and not a true reflection of what are some really amazing businesses whose stocks will certainly be thrown away for tomorrow and maybe even the next day before you can buy them. The bottom line. Please don't take your cue from the day to day action, because that just tells you you're using the filter that we're all using instead of doing your own homework and making your own judgments. As a lot of the trash that was thrown away today and tonight might just turn out to be the market's treasure once we reach herd immunity, CDC. And we will reach herd immunity sooner than Wall Street expects. We just might not like how we get there. Dennis in Connecticut, Dennis. Jim, how are you? Big booyah from Connecticut. Well, thank my you, Dennis. On, thank you. What's up?
3: My question's on Nike. I bought it right after the earnings. It shot up 20 points, and then I got on. And now I'm kind of wondering, should I buy more, or should I wait for a No, I don't back? want you
4: to buy more, but, I mean, look, my trust sold it, and that was in, in retrospect. We had a big game, but it was in retrospect not right. I took a, did a whole conference call about how wrong I was. But I don't want you to sell Nike. I think Nike's fine. Uh, they're doing well in China. Can I please go to Dale in California, please? Dale. Yes, Jim. Dale here. Hi, Dale.
5: Listen, Sherman Williams this morning announced, reaffirmed their guidance for the year. Their stock is up. They show profit for last quarter. Yet since the
2: freeze in Texas in February, Sherwin Williams has not had popular product on the shelves to sell. For months, we haven't been able to get gloss, semi-gloss, wall paint, trim paint. This type of thing, in fact, myself and and the rest of the Sherwin-Williams customers had to find alternate
3: sources for our product. We've been going (sighs) to places like Home Depot and Benjamin Moore
4: and buying them out. And when I talk to the Sherwin-Williams representatives, they tell me that due to the freeze, they probably won't have popular product on the shelf until after the first of the year. Well, so, I think they're too negative. I think that they, the, a lot of these plants are open. I think that you're looking at a, a, a better Q4, not the first of the year. I think they're being conservative. I like the stock, but I like Lowe's Corp even more. I need to go to Bill in Pennsylvania, please. Bill.
2: Jimmy, kill the one, the only.
4: There you uh, go. Big,
2: big booyah from Steeler Country.
4: Uh, the stock I'm calling about today, uh, it's a luxury brand. I'm not a luxury guy. Uh, But luxury brands tend to do well in travel destinations,
3: from what I'm told.
4: Uh, With the world reopening, earnings coming up and a supply chain congestion. Uh, What do you think about tapestry, TPR? Bill, I think tapestry is going to go down right now. Why? Because the CDC issued some uh, very bearish statements today that are going to make people feel like that the great reopening is the great reclosing. I regret the way that they put all of their comments because it's going to destroy economic activity. I just wish they had hounded the people who haven't got vaccinated. But that's not their way. They blame the rest of us. All right, on a day like today, the market's negative filter is just overpowering. And it's probably going to be that way tomorrow. I'm asking you not to take cue from the action. Take your cue from the fundamentals. Do your homework. Make your own judgments. Man tonight, show and tell. Iconic toy maker, Mattel, reported earnings after the belt today. Reeling strong demand for its products. Think Barbie, Hot Wheels, American Girl. I've got exclusive with the CEO to learn more about what's fueling the company's multi-year trans- transformation. And I gotta tell you, that is classic of what could be down the market you might want to buy. Plus, shape up or ship out? UPS shares fell 7% today as the company's domestic package revenue fell short of expectations, and key metrics pointed to a cooling off in the pandemic-driven e-commerce boom. Wow. Could the decline be a buying opportunity? At least it's going to be for the company soon. I'm unpacking the quarter with the CEO. And the great debate over the future of the workforce continues. I've got a company with an inside look into sustained demand for work from home products. So stay with Kramer.
6: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact.
4: All right, today we had an ugly session where Wall Street judged all sorts of messy earnings reports with a really negative prism. But sometimes you get a straightforward, excellent quarter and, and you, you really got to search for disappointment. And I don't play that game. Take Patel. After the close, the toy maker reported a magnificent top and bottom line beat. Sales were up 40%. You heard me. 40% year over year. Coming in at more than $1 billion when the analysts were only looking for $879 million. Patel's core doll business, think Barbie and American Girl dolls, among many other brands, jumped 47 percent their vehicle business, that's Hot Wheels and Matchbox, surged 62%. Even better management raised their full-year sales and EBITDA forecast. The only issue, much of this people think might have been baked in. Mattel stock rallied nearly 9% yesterday after their arch-rival Hasbro delivered a great set of numbers. That said, it's still down a couple bucks versus where it was trading in early May, which I frankly think is absurd. So could the stock have more to run? Let's check up with Enon Cries. He is the ch- turnaround artist, chairman, CEO of Patel. You get a better sense of the company's prospects. Mr. Kreiss. welcome back to Mad Money.
5: Hi, Jim. It's great to be here.
4: All right. Now, this is a true blowout, and I'm going to stop trying to find things that are wrong and start finding things that are right. You now have a turnaround where you both have top-line growth and profits. Could you please explain to people how, therefore, the turnaround is over and now you're playing offense?
5: Yeah, well, first of all, this was a, an exceptional quarter and an exciting, uh, exciting time for Mattel. Sales were up 40%, and our adjusted EBITDA grew by more than four times. And once again, we exceeded expectations. Our strength is foundational and broad-based, and we significantly outperformed the industry and gained market share in each region. So we are now firmly in growth mode And our top line performance is adding momentum to our transformation strategy to establish Mattel as an IP driven, high performing toy company.
4: All right. Now, people may not know that you're an intellectual property guy and you're a Hollywood guy. And the New York Times talked about the the ambitious plans you have. I think it's time to start talking about those. I want to talk. Don't worry, I'm going to talk about Barbie and talk about games. But I think the Hollywood ambitions are where the money is for Mattel. So tell us about them.
5: Mattel owns one of the strongest catalogs in the world for children and family entertainment franchises. And the opportunity that we have is, in addition to everything we do on the toy side of the company, to also capture the full value of our intellectual properties in other highly accredited business verticals. Think film, television, live events, consumer product and merchandise, music, online games. So exciting opportunities for us in these areas Mattel Films is ahead already with 13 projects in development. Mattel Television also doing great things. And we're very excited with the progress we're making in capturing the full value of our intellectual properties.
4: Now, let's talk about the possibility that these will have, your uh, products will have worldwide implications because it, uh, gross buildings in the international segment increased an astounding 57%. Uh, that's really an incredible figure. How'd you pull that off?
5: Yeah, I have to say our success is really, really broad based. We actually grew for the fourth consecutive quarter. This quarter, we grew in every single region, double digits. We continue to grow market share. We actually grew market share for four consecutive quarters as well. So we're seeing tremendous momentum across the entire enterprise and very proud of our performance by region, by category, as well as uh, in, in our three power brands, Barbie, Hot Wheels, and Fisher Price, as well as American Girl.
4: Well, let, let's talk about dolls for a second. I mean, I don't know. How do you get dolls have been around? Some of these dolls have been around for a while. I want people to understand that $395 million in dolls, $362 million was the consensus, up 51%, 47% in constant currency, is a uh, kind of astonishing for products that have been around for a while. How do, is it reinvention?
5: You know, this really goes to the heart of the Mattel playbook, uh, which is about brand purpose, cultural relevance design-led innovation and executional excellence and you know this is very much embodied in what we do with barbie which is ahead of the game but it's the same approach the same methodology and often the same people that apply the Mattel playbook across the entire portfolio and this is really what you see behind our success which is not just about one brand or one category but very broad based it's about how we approach things and how we develop product engage with consumers and, and, and create demand. But, but let's drill down.
4: Uh, July 13th, you announced uh, a new Barbie musical, Barbie Big City, Big Dreams. I don't know, come on now. What, what, your, your background is such that you can recognize a hit coming a, a mile away. How's that one
5: gonna be going? Well, it, it's really great to see Barbie in, still engaging consumers on so many levels. Uh, this is part of the Mattel television strategy. We are seeing great, great engagement, great traction, great, great interest in our content. We launched Barbie Princess Adventure last fall on Netflix. There is Barbie and Chelsea, the lost birthday. This launching, I just launched this spring on Netflix. And we're now launching a new mu- musical on Netflix in September. So a lot of content, a lot of engagement, and it's great to see a consumer responding uh, with so much excitement around Barbie. Could you ever do a theme park you know, the thing is, because we own the underlying IP, you can do anything. You can find consumers wherever they are. And with the level of engagement that consumers have and the passion uh, that, that our brands generate, we can create value in multiple verticals. And this is exactly the strategy. This is a strategy to capture the full value of our intellectual properties.
4: And, me, and I think you can do this, what, because the balance sheet's I mean, I know you're fixing the balance sheet. All the worries that you told me about three years ago are gone, aren't they? Are, now i going to say gone, because you're an operator and you know you have to continue to do what's right. But you're a different guy from when I first met you.
5: Well, we definitely made significant progress on our balance sheet. Our leverage ratio is now three. It's down from 8.4 <laughs> just a year ago. And we continue to make significant progress um, uh, on, on strengthening the balance sheet, bringing our debt down, increasing our cash flow, and all, all in all, uh, continue to create optionality and flexibility in our balance sheet.
4: All right. I'm going to say that your stocks should be at 25 in two weeks. There, I just said it. All right. I've been around. You've been around. There, I'm making that call Enon on Christy, who is the chairman and CEO of Mattel. What a quarter. Great to see you, as always. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. That's great. Thank you. Look, everybody's so negative that they can't even see something that's great right now. And I'm going to tell you that this is the kind of quarter that two weeks from now you say, why didn't Kramer tell me to buy the stock? Well, I did. And Mike's back there for the break.
2: Coming up, can the big pooh-bah of parcels deliver us from losses? Kramer sets the record straight with the CEO of UPS next.
3: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric.
1: At least that's good. The UPS Store: Be Unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
4: How do we make sense of the meltdown in the stock of United Parcel Service? When the company reported this morning, the headline number certainly came in better than expected, but there were some problematic line items. Worse on the conference call, management made you feel like the freight business could struggle in the rest of the year as the world goes back to normal and UBS has to go up against difficult comparisons versus 2020. Now, in response, the stock dropped an astounding 7% today. I own it for my Chapel trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Now, we told club members that we thought this was an overreaction. And remember, we also said it was going to be a very tough day. Uh, We do need to do some more homework, though. Fortunately, earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Carol Tomei herself, the CEO of UPS. I want you to take a look. Ms. Tomei, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Great to see you. Great to see you, Carol. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what happened today, I just want to ask you, uh, is there still a sense that e-commerce is booming and UPS is a percentage of that? Or have we decided that somehow that world is slowing down and UPS is something you don't want to own?
0: There's been a a permanent shift in how consumers are shopping and e-commerce sales are booming, but the rate of growth is not the same as it was last year when everyone was sheltering in place. And in fact, if you look at our performance in the second quarter, our average daily volume was down slightly in the United States. We predicted that because last year, one of our products called Surepost drove 53 percent of our total U.S. volume. We realized that when the economy started to open and stores reopened, consumers would go back into their stores. And we saw that happen. In fact, if you back out the SurePost-related volume, our, our average volume grew in the second quarter by 4 percent.
4: Well, uh, OK, oh, well and good. But what I think has happened here, what's transpired, Is that because you told a story a second time, you had your analyst day and this time, that there is some slowing, I think people decided, wait a second, UPS is no longer a growth stock, so get it off my sheet, so to speak. I want to sell UPS. But hasn't there been some value created since you've been here that's longer lasting, that produces a lot of cash, could produce a buyback, could produce a boost in the dividend?
0: Well, absolutely. You know, we're on a path to take our U.S. operating margin to 12% by 2023. Just this year, based on the guidance that we gave, we predict our U.S. operating margin will be over 10%. That's 200. 40 basis points higher than last year and the highest operating margin since 2017. We've generated a lot of cash for the first six months of this year, $6.8 billion in free cash flow. That's more cash generated in in six months than we generated in any 12 month period in any time in our company history. And at our investor day back in June, we told everyone that we were changing our dividend payout target such that at the end of the year, we're going to look at our earnings and cut them in half. Our dividend payout target is 50% of earnings. So we're creating value by growing and returning our cash to our shareholders.
4: Well, if I do the arithmetic on that, it's pretty clear that you become one of the highest yielding companies in the entire S&P 500. Do you think people just kind of forgot that
0: today? You know, it, it, I, I can't tell you what happens to the market on any one day. You know, we have a long-term perspective on our business and, and our stock.
4: Well, should we be concerned that business-to-consumer volume did decrease?
0: Well, we're projecting volume will increase in the back half of the year, not as much as what we saw in the first half because of the year-over-year comparisons, but volume's going to grow. But remember, Jim, we have a different operating model than we did in the past. In the past, we chased all volume, regardless of whether or not we made money on that volume. Today, we're leaning into the part of the small package market that really values our end-to-end network. We're leaning into small and medium-sized businesses, for example. It's a very profitable business segment for us and loved what we saw in the second quarter. One year ago, SMB volume made about, uh, ADV or volume made up about 22% 22% of our total. Now it makes up 27%. So we are, are really happy to see our SMB customers responding to the capabilities that we've been investing in them to make the experience simpler, helpful, and faster.
4: Well, Let's go back to the buyback for a second. If you parse what you said this morning as an intro versus what you said in the conference call, it seems that you are uh, price sensitive to a buyback. And if stock gets hit down to, say, 185, 190, that's a different stock than 205, 210 when it comes to a buyback.
0: Absolutely. So um, we hinted during today's earnings call that we are looking at going back into the share repurchase market. We've got a board meeting next week, and so we'll be talking to our board and recommending plans in that regard.
4: All right. So Carol, let's. It's a buying opportunity. All right. That was good to say because the semantics of a conference call, and you and I have studied conference calls for for many, many years. I know I could have told a story about UPS that was quite different from what you told, based on what you said. I could have said, e-commerce is here to stay. UPS is choosing to make a lot of money. We used to go after everything. We don't do that anymore. We're a more profitable growth company than we used to be. And and say, look, and I think that the future is bright without saying, I'm not giving any guidance. And I'd like to, you know, want our company and all the people who work there to know that we stand behind. We're going to be raising the dividend. We're going to buy back stock. Very nice to meet you you. End it. And the stock will be up five. It's almost as if you chose to give us enough negatives that it has to be down 20.
0: Well, that certainly wasn't our intent. Um, Our intent was to give everyone our point of view on what the back half of the year would look like, because it's important to know that we're a seasonal business. Our operating margin historically reach a high mar- high watermark every second quarter. And then it comes in, still year over year growth, but comes in in the back half of the year because of seasonality, particularly peak in the fourth quarter. So we wanted to make sure that people had the right uh, numbers to put into their models so they understood where we're going. But this isn't about a second half performance. This is about where we're taking the company long-term. And long-term, at least in 2023, we have our eyes on $102 billion revenue, an operating margin in the United States of 12%. Return on capital, well nearing 30 percent, and returning capital to our shareholders in the form of 50 percent of our earnings in a, in a dividend and returning into the share repurchase market. Well, so, if the message didn't hit the mark, I apologize for that to everybody because well, we've got we've got a really great story going on here.
4: You know, I agree with that. My travel trust bought this stock for the first time the moment you got there. One last question: It seems to me that if we get outside the weeds. Is it possible that you have lost pricing power or do you still have pricing power as a great American company?
0: We have pricing power. You can see that in our revenue per piece, which grew 13.4 percent in the United States in the second quarter alone.
4: Well, then I am just saying, Carol, that I've, I've known you. You're you're the straightest shooter. Most CEOs are not. You are. I think you're creating value. It's ridiculous for me to think that the value is going to be rolled back by what you've done. I am going to congratulate you for your, for that quarter and say, you know what? Kyle Tame is a person who understands the good and the bad and likes to tell us it is. So I thank you for coming on Mad Money.
0: Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
4: Excellent. That's Kyle Tame CEO of United Parcel Service. I think she cleared up a lot of things for me. I hope she did the same for you. Mad Money is back after the book.
1: Coming up,
2: when it comes to this gaming giant, is the market acting illogical? Kramer gets real with Logitech CEO Off Earnings.
4: Next. All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of Logitech International? The company that makes computer accessories, consumer electronics, and gaming equipment. Logitech reported last night, and while they had an excellent quarter, 26-cent earnings beat off a 96-cent basis, higher-than-expected sales up 66% year-over-year. Management's full-year forecast was widely considered disappointing. Rather than raising guidance, they simply maintain their previous numbers, which is discouraging in the wake of a major earnings beat and in wake of the prison that I told you about at the top of the show. In response, the stocks tumbled more than 10 percent today. Now, Lodzic has been one of the biggest winners since the pandemic got started. But do we need to be more worried about the future or did Wall Street overreact? Because this was a bad day for tech and for any company that frankly has a, a less than optimal view of the future. So let's take a closer look with Bracken Darrell, the straight-shooting president and CEO of Logitech International. Learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Darrell, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Joe.
4: All right, before we get into what, letting the stock tell us what to do, okay, we're going to tell the stock what it should have done. This was, <laughs> okay. to me, an amazing quarter, one of the best I've ever seen, and the momentum continues. So I give you the ball to try to explain in a rational world perhaps what people should have done to
2: You know, I, we, as you said, you know, I always think the most important quarter of the year is the first one. So I always tell my team, boy, if you get off to a good start, that's a great bellwether for the year. And we had a great start, you know, we grew 58%. We were double digit across all our main categories. Uh, We just had strength and lots of strength. And it is, and our gaming business was super strong, even though a lot of people thought it would be softer. So really a good quarter. You know, I think um, if I had to speculate, I think, as you said, in the opening, I think, you know, people would have loved for us to raise our guidance we, we gave our guidance in March. We finished that last month, and we finished so strong, we actually raised our guidance again in May when we reported our earnings. So this is just uh, two months later, and you know, we left our guidance alone. We just reported a really strong quarter, and we'll play it out through the year.
4: So what does the CEO do? Uh, his team comes in and says, look, we just gave it all she got. We delivered a remarkable quarter, and we're down big, boss. Uh, what do you tell them? <laughs>
2: i tell them what, what you would tell them, which is, you know what, there are going to be short-term things that happen everywhere. We are a long-term team, and we've delivered long-term, and we will deliver long-term. So just stay with it. Don't let, the, don't let today bother you one way or the other. Focus on the long-term. Good performance delivers good results from an, an investor standpoint.
4: All right. Would, would there be someone you might call in and say, listen, video collaboration, which, by the way, we all have. We have your sure. excellent cameras, which I thought would blow out the quarter, frankly, because the product is so good. But you, you know, you did 235 a million. I guess to where people were looking for 300 million. How do you make it so that that uh, you close that gap?
2: You know, we we had a really strong quarter in video collaboration. But, you know, you have to look at the two quarters before that, we had an extremely strong quarter before that, where we had a very big backlog that we were clearing. We had built up a bunch of uh, demand that we really couldn't fulfill before. So coming into this quarter, we still had 72% growth. But I think some people thought, well, that looks weaker than Q3 or Q4, so it must be a problem. You know, we're really excited about that video business. We think you know hybrid work is going to be a real um, a real opportunity there. And then as people go back into the office, we're going to video. People are going to video enable everything. So we're excited about video collaboration.
4: Okay, how about were people focused that I didn't recognize on, a uh, supply chain? I mean, I thought you did. You sourced really well. Uh, but your CFO did mention on the call about ocean freight rates. Now, I know you have to disclose everything. To me, that's minuscule, but perhaps maybe I'm too much of an optimist.
2: No, I think you're right. You know I think the, the uh, our ocean freight is up, you know it's it's expensive on a per unit basis, but we did less of that that uh, ocean freight less uh, sorry, less of the air freight. And our ocean freight uh, costs are up some, but it's a relatively modest impact. So I'm not too worried about that for the long term. I think we're in good shape from a logistics standpoint.
4: OK, now gaming. We had Corsair on. They're pretty good guys. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. they told a good story. Stock immediately went down. Uh, gaming priority again for you. I mean, is the gaming category cursed now that we're supposed to be out every minute frolicking because uh, allegedly the pandemic's under control?
2: Well, we just had an incredibly strong uh you know, quarter in gaming. We grew 78%. We were growing market share across all our categories. We're just, uh, we're really, really having fun. It's been a super time. You know, we're, I'm, I'm watching the Olympics. I've never watched TV except for you and the Olympics. And I've got well, the Olympics you. on 24 7. And uh, and I tell you, I, I, it amazes me that the Olympics still hasn't picked up uh, esports and they will. I suspect they will. But in the meantime, esports is on fire among, especially under under 30, under 35. And that's why we grew so strongly.
4: Now, you have products that come out, and you have such an array of products that things get lost. I got the, um, the thing that, that I can make it so that it fits to my ear. Because my, no matter what I've done for the last 20 years, and I work out every day, my left ear, whatever I put in, it falls out. And it does because my right. left ear is not standard. So suddenly, right. you've answered my prayer. But it's just one of many Logitech. I find that it's lost within the vast sea of Logitech products.
2: Yeah, you know, and that one is branded Ultimate Ears or UE. So it's called UE Fits. You can go Google it now. It's the only only earphone you can get where you put it in your ears, you, push your, you, you, you punch a button on your phone, and it will mold to your ears as it did to yours. And every person's ears are different from everybody else's, and each of your ears is different from the other one. So it's the first customized earphone in 59 seconds.
4: Well, but why? Why aren't you selling millions of them? I mean, is it because you just have a certain budget? Because to me, that's an accessory that if people knew about everybody. Look, there's I don't know a soul that doesn't feel like that. They don't that one size fits all in this thing. You've got the answer. It's the same answer that we have when we put in what's known as our IFB in our ears in the network, which it has to be molded. And that's because it fits us, and it can't pop out. I mean, to me, this yeah. is the steal of the show. It should be the it should be the holiday present. How do you make that happen?
2: Well, we're building our marketing engine for that right now. We've got Will Smith's kids, Willow and Jaden Smith, doing they both done ads for it, and uh, you know we're really we're really going after it right now. It's a very cool product, UE Fits, and uh, it's just phenomenal. And and as you said, it it's it's the only product you can buy. that's really customized for your ear and. And uh, and it does it so fast.
4: No, it's it's remarkable. Well, look, I'm going to just say, the stocks had a big run. People don't know what to do. Today was a negative day. Had you reported a week ago, stock would have been up ten. I really believe that. Just another great quarter from Brack and Daryl. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks so much, Jim. It's always a pleasure.
4: Oh, thank you. All right, guys. Look, I, yeah, there's going to be one like one line that misses. If you choose to look at a stock, watch it be down. And then foment a reason to sell it. I think you're on the wrong side of the trade. Mad Money is back after the break. Just chill out. Just chill, Master Jay. The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up.
2: When Mad Money returns.
4: It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Come on, everybody! Round goes Play it and then the lighting rounds are, are you ready? Steve? Daddy. Time for the lighting round, because we're to start with Jack of Missouri. Jack. Triple booyah for the Show Me State to a fellow restaurateur. Oh, excellent. Thank you for coming on the show. What's up? My question is, Go-Go posted a uh, four-cent loss last, quor- last quarter.
3: I wondered if they'll post... They're very for profit.
4: Nah, Jack, you know, those guys are all just, they're just so-so. I mean, they've been so-so for so long that they are definitively so-so. Can we go to Craig in Idaho, please? Craig. Hey,
3: Jim, a big booyah. Hello from Idaho.
4: Oh, good to have you, man. You have got the fastest growing state there. What's going on? Well, my daughter and I are big uh, fans of your show. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, we watch it all the time. And your insight, your knowledge
3: has been a great help to us over the years. And we want to invest in a green company that has future growth potential. Now, a while back, you talked about ChargePoint Holdings and said you like the company, but not here at the price, which was about $35. It's down about 30% since then. Do you still like the company?
4: Yes, I do. I'd like it to be down 50%. It's almost there. I'd buy it under 20. There are many, many companies in that industry, and they're all trading down right now. Can I go to Eddie in New York? Eddie. Hey, Jim. Yo. I, I, I've i been watching the show since I was 15 years old. Very excited to be on. And right, I'm glad you're on. Thank you for coming on. great so um, I just have a question. I want to get your opinion. So we've seen great earnings from the big um, air tech names, social media, and ad giants, and I wanted to... Uh, ask you about a name a little bit under the radar that got four analyst buy ratings and makes $185 million Tabula, CBLA Tabula, yeah, you know, it's an interesting company Uh, they do the kind of stuff that makes you, uh, it it, it generates pay views, and anything that generates pay views reminds me that you should buy the stock of Trade Desk with Jeff Green, that's what you should be doing let's go to Jimmy in Illinois, Jimmy Hey Jimmy, chill booyah to you my friend right back Hey, buddy. Uh, just, I'm an Action Alerts Club member. Oh, and I was thank really, you.
2: Yes, sir. I just really want to thank you and your whole staff uh, for everything I've learned over the years. You guys have really helped my family out a lot. Thank
4: you. It's a teaching product, and I people, there's nothing else like it out there. What's going on? Hey, buddy. Can you help me out? I'm uh, looking at a stock that I'm wanting to open a position in. Uh, uh,
3: I want to get your thoughts on Digital Turbine, ticker APPS.
4: Yeah, um look, it's a unique company, but in mobile services, but the problem is it sells at such a high multiple and the multiples are being compressed right now. I want to thank you for being a member of Actual Work, but I'm going to have to say I don't think that's a great stock to be in. I really don't. Let's go to Jeff in Texas. Jeff. Booyah, Jim. Jeff oh. in Texas. Hey, All right, Jeff. What's face. going on? I took a ride on the back train with some house money. The uh, Problem is the train's going in the wrong direction. Tell me about Astra now that the uh, Factors. space service exactly. uh, you know space service is crowded so, someone asked me the other day about this and i said i it's too crowded uh but the stock has come down how about this at eight bucks by a little it's a nice spec and that ladies and gentlemen is the conclusion of the lightning round
2: the lightning round is sponsored by td ameritrade coming up can a ceo be their own worst enemy Kramer faces facts about a Chinese crackdown on tech. Next.
4: This market's discovered a new game. It's called kill your own stocks. This morning, Carol Tomei, the CEO of United Parcel, tried to resurrect your stock after it got murdered on her own conference call. It was a stunning performance. Nearly every good development that's happened in recent months, all the great changes meant little to the future. I've seen cautious CEOs, but it's rare to hear one straight-up admit that the future might not be as good as the past. However, if you're hearing from Tomei earlier tonight, I think Wall Street's being too negative, as UPS will be boosting its dividend and buying back stocks soon enough after the board meets. Then we have the Chinese government, which is mowing down... The stocks of Chinese companies that have fallen out of favor with the Communist Party. The remarkable annihilation of the China education stocks is a warning to all businesses in the People's Republic. If you make a lot of money by helping rich people cement their socioeconomic status, the party is going to crush your profitability. I mean, literally. They're turning uh, lucrative operations into nonprofits. That's why Deutsche Bank just cut its price tag uh, for Gao to Tekedu, From $97 to just $3. That's a hit. The Communist Party is killing three birds with one stone here. First, it's confiscating the wealth of the company's billionaire founder. Second, it's making the education system more equal. Rich kids won't be able to pay up for better tutors. Third, it's smashing the wealth of foreign investors who might own this stock or its peers, like TAL Education and New Oriental Education. (laughs) yes, crunching the wealth of people like you, if you didn't listen to me. It didn't listen to me. I told you to stay away from these. Now, you can't say the party didn't give you fair warning when they crushed Didi Global, the Chinese Uber, right after it came public. I think the government's also going after companies like it perceives as a... that it it thinks as a bad influence on its people. I'll give you some example. Tencent, how does that make people smarter? Baidu, isn't that online gossip? How about excessive consumption? Alibaba or JD.com? You know, those things are all becoming of Mao. Now, Mao is... It's kind of back. I keep joking that it's like China remembered it's supposed to be a communist country. They've spent 40 odd years embracing free markets, but the current regime seems eager to roll that back. So, what's that mean for you? Let me say something very uncontroversial. You probably don't want to invest in a country that's actively practicing communism. Generally, not very friendly to capitalists, meaning investors, that's the whole point. Don't buy communist stocks. So it's time to flee from all Chinese communist stocks, including the non-tech ones, despite the fact that the media keeps framing this as a tech crackdown. Wake up, media. It's a crackdown against us. Even the legendary Kathy Wood, the fund manager who stubbornly refuses to give up on her favorite growth stocks, has thrown in the towel on China. Who can blame her? The government's going after companies for making too much money. Now, that's not a positive business climate. You don't want that to be the last. You don't want to be the last to lead, believe me. However, the most bizarre example of the kill-your-own-stock game came from none other than the techno-king himself, Elon Musk. I'm not making it up. That's what he calls himself, techno-king. At first I saw it was Technocking. knocking. What do I know? On the Tesla, Tesla conference call, Musk spent most of his time talking about how hard it is to manufacture cars and how semiconductor supply chain problems are hurting his company. When you look at the headline numbers, this was a remarkable quarter for Tesla. It should have been cause for the usual Musk magic. The guy's usually got a very good gift for showmanship. Instead, I felt like I was listening to an old Ford Motor conference call. No, no, no check that. He actually praised Ford Motor for not going bankrupt and also for mass-producing the M, the Model T against all odds. It was more like the call you'd expect from a good tool and die, man. Now, unlike these other stock assassinations, at least Musk has a reason for playing it this way. If you were thinking about investing in any of the Tesla newly minted electric vehicle competitors, a Lucid, a Fisker, or a Rivian, this call is meant to scare the heck out of you. Sure did me. I'm glad I'm not recommending any of those stocks now. If even Tesla struggles to mass produce cars, just imagine how badly these smaller operators are going to do unless they got it off. So maybe they lay it off a Magna or something. Still, on a down day for the market, the last thing you want are companies or countries that make you feel like a chump for owning their stocks. If you're uniformly good quarters, whether we're talking Cal Tome at UPS, Elon Musk and Tesla or the entire Chinese government, they took a wrecking ball to their valuations. And look, I'm, look, I'm not asking for hype. I don't want endless self-promotion. But there's got to be a way to be cautious without shooting your stock in its own face. I like to say, they made it tough for me. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer.
0: See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.